Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. You guys are rock stars. You guys are awesome. It is so good for Andre and I to be back in Gainesville. Um, I, we've lived in so much... This is Gainesville. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, uh, last, last year, 2019, we lived in three states. So we were, we were trying to make it to 50, but it wasn't enough time. But, uh, but anyway, so we're, we're, you know, God brought us back. And sometimes the, the journey that God gets you through, if you try to reason it, you never will. And you'll drive yourself nuts. And uh, that's what faith is all about. Faith is being able to trust God when you don't understand. Because most of the time, we won't understand. That's why Proverbs says uh, to not lean on your own understanding, but trust the Lord with all of your heart. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. He didn't say he will make you understand. You just do it. You just do it. Uh, I also want to thank a couple of people. Uh, Andrea and I would not be here today, or at least we would be homeless, uh, if it wasn't for Dave and Peggy Cokert. I mean, they, they have been so gracious and phenomenal. I can't forget Brownie. Brownie's the dog, our dog. <laughs> our dog, okay? It used to be theirs, now it's ours. Uh, but, uh, you know, really, um, what turned from a couple of months is now going on to almost five months, and they're probably wondering, when the heck are they going to get out of my house? <laughs> Uh, but uh, no, they, 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 are, they are just tremendous, and I just wanted to publicly thank them for their graciousness, their hospitality. Pastor Suzanne said something during a corporate prayer this morning about the suddenlies of God, a suddenly of God, and immediately the thought came to me uh, about expectation. Uh, when we come to the house of the Lord, if this has become routine, Routine will rob you of God's suddenlies. Routine will, when I come to the house of God, I come like it's Christmas morning. I mean, if Christmas morning is more exciting at your house than coming to the house of God, something's not right. Something's not right. When we come, we ought to come like with like wide-eyed wonder. What is God going to do today? He's going to do some great stuff today. But if you come thinking it's another Sunday, then you're, the enemy has robbed you of that suddenly. How many times in Scripture do you see where God says, or the Word says, suddenly the Holy Spirit appeared? Yes. Suddenly Jesus was in the midst of them. So, the suddenlies of God. Andrea and I have been declaring the suddenlies of God, and, and suddenly it'll happen. It hasn't happened, uh, but suddenly. But we're always expecting. So when you come to the house of the Lord, my gosh, this is the most creative, most fun, safest place on earth. And when I'm talking about, I'm not just talking about the Rock of Gainesville, I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. Wherever, if you're on vacation, you go to the house of the Lord, man, be expecting. Don't be there like judging. Oh, well, at the Rock, we don't do it that way. Well, you're not at the Rock. Here you are. And so you ought to come expecting great stuff. It doesn't matter who's speaking. Because the Holy Spirit will speak through them. So don't let the enemy rob you of those suddenlies because this has become routine.
If you need to change seats, change seats. See how somebody else's butt fits in there. Is that okay? To, is that too late now? Is that the, de- the, the damage has been done. So, all right. So, prayer. Let me, when we were praying this morning, uh, we have a connect group that meets in the auditorium, not auditorium, the administration building conference room at 9 o'clock, 9 to 9.30, and we specifically pray for Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne. That's what we do. And, for, and mostly for them, but how it affects this house also. And so when we go there, we speak. We declare what God shows us. And something the Holy Spirit was sh- showing me during, even as I was driving over here, um, today we, we see it as the end of the 21 days of praying and fasting. And it is, so to speak. But the Holy Spirit said to me, but this is the beginning of the warfare. See, we think the 21 days is the warfare. No, that's the preparation. Because now is when the warfare comes. And listen, the enemy that we fight is a worthy opponent. Jesus said that. But greater is he that's in us. I'm not afraid of the enemy. I'm not intimidated by him. I'm not, as much as he wants to bully us, greater is he that's in us. I'm telling you, you've got to speak. The enemy's not going to move if you're not speaking. You don't pastor demons. You speak to them. You govern them. You address them. That's good stuff. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Anyway, uh, the title's nice, and I, I, I did a few more slides, uh, so I don't want to get stuck there. Uh, this, out of James chapter 5, says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So the implication here, the assumption is, there's prayer going on, right? There's prayer going on. There's prayer going on, not just for 21 days. There's prayer going on. The other assumption is there's a righteous person praying. Yeah, I thought that was funny too. Uh, uh, But there is, and our righteousness is not based on any good works that I do. Listen, I am not the central character of this story. You are not the central character of the story. Jesus is. And Jesus makes us righteous because of his blood, because of what he did on the cross, because of his resurrection. Not because you're a nice person. Over the years, I went from being kind of a harsh, little rocky type, thorn, rub you wrong type of guy, but really I've mellowed out. I really have. (laughs) Trust me on that one. Well, you don't have to trust me at all. I mean, you, but just know that God's been working in me. My wife says, amen. And so, and so this has probably been her uh, praying over me with great power and has produced wonderful results. <laughs> wonderful results. Uh, but the assumption is that we're praying, that we're righteous. And the Bible doesn't say maybe. It says this is what's going to happen. You want formulas? This is a formula right here. All right? So prayer, uh, for lack of better uh, word, I I, I thought about uh, ingredients to successful 
prayer that produces wonderful results. Because you know, you can pray and get nothing. You can pray and get now. How many now the words that we have been hearing from Pastor Ron and L, man, they they are so like last week. I asked Pastor Ron before he preached uh, during the week during prayer. I said, "What do you preach?" I knew he was preaching on prayer, and, and I and he said, uh, "So I asked him, what were you preaching on?'" And he goes, uh, "Are you still waiting?" And I said to him, "Please don't preach that. <laughs> I am so sick and tired of hearing waiting." But he, he preached it anyway, and uh, so it didn't matter. Uh, but if we want wonderful results, there are some ingredients, again, for lack of a better word, that will make our prayer effective. I hate doing stuff that is ineffective. I mean, it just irritates me. Uh, because if you're going to do something, be intentional about it, and do it because it's supposed to produce something, well, good results. So I don't like wasting time, so to speak, if I'm going to uh, go on task. Uh, so why do we pray? It was, okay, there's a reason we pray. You ever, how many of you have, have kids or have been a kid? Okay. Okay. So most of us understand and, and understand this word right here. Why? We ask, our kids ask us, we've asked it, and you can't answer with one level of Why? There are several layers of why to where you get down to the ultimate why. So you tell your kids, will you take out the garbage? Why? Because I told you so. Well, that's not good enough. That's one layer. But why? Because the garbage is building up. So take it out. But why? Because if you don't take it out, it's going to begin to stink around here. But why? Because if you don't take it out, the garbage will end up on your bed. Okay, got it. I'll take it out. <laughs> so why do we pray? We pray because prayer aligns our heart with the heart of God. Most of the time, we do stuff and we say, God, bless it. I'm sorry. That doesn't work that way. God only blesses what he breathes into. The Holy Spirit breathes into something and then he, bl he blesses it. But when we do stuff and we say, God, please bless us, well, I never asked you to do that. So we can't change the word of God to affect or, or to uh, give credence to our circumstances. We don't change God's word because of our circumstances. The word of God is the word of God. It never, ever changes. But this happened and that happened. We prayed for this prayer. God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't let routine, even of the circumstances, rob you of the expectation and the suddenness of God. Don't let it rob you. Sometimes we wonder why things aren't happening. Take it to God. He wants to hear. God thinks you have the most awesome mouth there is. That he wants to hear from you. He does. Some of you uh, live with this, this, almost like this guilt and this oppressiveness that God is, is, is out there looking just for you to make a mistake. We have a, a love affair with punishment. And God's not into that. God's into loving and equipping 
and showing and leading. He's not looking to punish. So prayer aligns our heart with the heart of God. So let's start with identity, right? Okay, the first ingredient. So we look at, day, we look at Genesis chapter 1, and we see where each day God creates something. He gives us an identity, and with that identity comes the purpose behind it. So I'm not, I'm not going to go through. I'm just showing you that he creates, he identifies, and then he gives it purpose. But day six, man was created. He identified man, and then he said, govern all the earth. Govern all the earth. We are called as believers, as the body of Christ, to govern the region we live in. We are not here to coexist with the atmosphere that the enemy has set up. And there is an atmosphere. And you have to identify that atmosphere. Because you have to know, you can't be ignorant of Satan's devices, the word says. So you have to identify what those strongholds are, the atmosphere, and say, "Uh uh-uh, out of here. You start speaking. You start speaking. So we're called to govern. We're called to govern all of creation. Your identity does not come from what you do. Now, unfortunately, that is how so many of, of today's culture lives. We think what we do is where I get my identity from. Whether, you know, I, I, I'm a, a, a lawyer or a painter or a, a, a house mom or, or whatever. We think that's what we do. Identity does not come from what we do. Identity is given to, to you by God. Excuse me. <clears throat> identity is given to you by God. God knows who I am because he gave me that identity and he created me with a purpose. Say, I have a purpose. And your purpose is not from what you do tomorrow morning when you go to work. How many of you have jobs? Some of them are just jobs, right? I mean, they're, you know, it's not like, (coughs) you ever see those signs? My wife and I kind of have this little, uh, love what you do and do what you love. Really? How many people get to live that? You know, some of us live in, okay, I knew Doc. Adrian and Sue, they, but they, they're just happy no matter where they are. <laughs> but, but the reality is not everybody gets to do what they love and love what they do. Some of it is necessity. Some of it's responsibilities. Some of it's just providing. You know, it's just providing. And you know what? And that's okay. That is not to belittle or demean anything you do. Because nothing is wasted by God. Right. Nothing. It's all intentional. Anything you do, God says, oh, that is so awesome. I love that. He gets so excited about what we do. But God, I'm stuck here behind a computer facing a corner. You're doing such a great job at it. See, God sees, you remember Gideon hiding in the wine press? And, And God didn't say to him, Gideon, what the heck are you doing hiding in the wine, 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 press, wine press? He didn't. He said, oh, Gideon, mighty man of valor. Yes. And you know, Gideon took a, you know, you're talking to me? You know, he pulled a Robert De Niro all of a sudden. You're talking. But he was. Because God doesn't look at you based on what you're doing right now. He looks at you with what, how he created you to be or what he created you to be. 
So I can have the confidence no matter what I'm doing. I may not like it, but I know that God has an assignment for it. How many of you get to pick your assignment? You don't. Stop. I answered your question already. <laughs> God gives you an assignment. And it's up to us whether we want to live out that assignment or not. And sometimes that assignment is not a red carpet. Listen. Job, most righteous person on earth, walked through an assignment that God had given him. He didn't know. But he had to respond to it. And he responded well. You, you know God and Job had some conversations that night. These last three or four years that Andre have been on this journey, you know, you know, man is enamored with results. We're enamored with the destination. But God's enamored with the, with the gap, as Pastor Ron. He, he loves the gap. He loves the journey from where you are to where you're going to be. And let me tell you something. God is really good at getting his kids where they need to be. And I'm quoting Pastor Mark Batterson on that one. He says that all the time. God is really good at getting his kids where they need to be. So there's no, you don't sweat it. Although it's hot up here and I'm sweating. But I don't, you know, you don't sweat it. It's like, well, why are you wearing a jacket? Well, because it's cold out. And purpose comes from our God-given identity. That's where purpose comes from. It's from what God identified you as. Then, Mark chapter 11, verse 17, then he taught, saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer? What did he call us? House of prayer. For all nations. But you have made it a den of thieves. Now, the enemy has conned the church somewhat into believing that we're a house of everything else. A house of worship, a house of preaching, a house of faith, a house of this, a house of the word. And you know what? All those things are right. They're correct. But Jesus made the focus prayer. He says, you're going to be all those things. There's going to be worship. There's going to be the word, the preaching. But me, the identity I'm giving you is that you're going to be a house of prayer for the nations. So that's our identity. So prayer is not necessarily something uh, that we do. It's more importantly, what and who we are. Prayer, and, and listen, I, 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 I've done kind of like this informal study on uh, churches. You know, I look on their websites and see what they advertise. I mean, if you, you look on their websites, you figure they're advertising the best of what they do, right? I mean, they want, uh, they're not going to say, well, we really are boring and uh, we have no faith. Nothing happens here, but you're welcome to come. Um, and I am sad to say that in most of the websites, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking hundreds over, very little is mentioned of prayer, if any, and nobody puts, uh, very few put their prayer times that they have, corporate prayer. I find that sad. Now they put everything else. I heard Bill Johnson, you know who Bill Johnson is, right? From, from Bethel. Bill Johnson made a statement a few weeks ago as I was listening to him. He said, he said today the church builds, is built around a sermon. He said, but Israel built itself around the presence of God. And so he said, we have substituted God's presence for experience. And so we give people experience. 
And I, you know, I'm all cool with it. Look, I'm, I love the screens. That, that, that is not the issue. The issue is what, you're, what are you building on? Is that what you're offering people or are you offering when they come in here the presence of God? The pre- Holy Spirit, fall on us today. Open, open the heavens right now. Open your floodgates and minister right now. So it's not just what we do, it's, it's what we are. It's who we are. Uh, so let me get to the aspect of worship, because I'm going to touch a little bit on identity in a few minutes. Uh, I'm good with time. Um, but I wanted you to, to see that prayer is not just identity, worship, authority. It's all intertwined. It's, it's mixed together. And if you want effective prayer, it has to be, all of this has to be involved. Okay? Uh, and when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, uh, and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Uh, now, you know, th- th- there's different kinds of incense. There is some incense that uh, really smells good, okay? And there are some incenses like, okay, where are the demons around here? New age all over the place, you know? Uh, but... Back then, the incense was supposed to be a, a, a aromatic, a fragrance that was really, really good to smell, I guess, right? That's what you do. Um, and so the prayers of, this, of God's people should carry an aroma. The word says that we are the fragrance of Christ on this earth. You know how the perfumer used to work, uh, used to make perfume back in, in, in biblical times. They had a, a mortar and pestle. They would take the spices and then they would crush all those spices. Crush them and crush them. Mm, no, not yet. Not ready yet. Let's throw in a few more spices. Crush and crush and crush. And all of a sudden, that's it. That's the fragrance I'm looking for. So if you want to be a fragrance of Christ on this earth, you can expect that there's going to be a crushing. And listen, whether the, and, and God doesn't crush to injure you. He's trying to produce a fragrance. Can I tell you something? That God is not in the least bit interested in your comfort. He's interested, he's interested in our growth. He's not interested in comfort. If he was, he, we, we wouldn't be here. I would have a recliner seat with Pastor George sitting right in front of me, preaching just to me, not to you. (laughs) Comfortable. Grapes would be fed to me. (laughs) Palm leaf. You know, he's not interested in our comfort. Stop that. Stop thinking that, God, why is it? Because he's crushing you. He's trying to produce a fragrance. Those are the prayers of God's people. And then he said, and then they sang a new song with these words. And look what they were singing about. They weren't singing about you or me. But they were singing about the one whose blood, who was slaughtered, whose blood ransomed people from every tribe, every language, every people, a nation. They're talking about Jesus. That's the song. You want songs? Write them about Jesus. And what he's done. Some of the songs we hear, they're so powerful. But guess what? I'm believing that there is a new song coming out of this house. There is a new song. There are are lyricists out here. 
You need to start writing. You have neglected the gift that God has given you. And he'll take it away. That muscle will become atrophied if you don't start using it. There are, there are words and songs that are specific for this house. I love Hillsong. I love Elevation. We're not them. We have a different call. We need to sing the call of this house. So I'm prophesying that there are songs being written that are specific to the rock of Gainesville that will be spoken into the heavenlies and the heavenlies will come down and set people free. Listen, our words don't stop at the walls. They go into the outermost parts of the, world, of the earth. When God said, let there be light, it didn't fade away. There are still galaxies being formed. Light is still being created. That is amazing. Words that were spoken however number of years ago, don't want to get into the whole old earth, young earth thing, doesn't really matter. Jesus made it. But those words, let there be light, are a prophetic declaration that, the, that God was setting a precedent that the entrance of your word brings light. So when you speak to a situation, you're speaking light into the, a place of darkness. And we're going to get into that whole authority part in a second. But they're singing this song about Jesus, not singing about you. I love you. You're awesome. I'm not writing a song about you. And don't write a song about me. And you have caused them who? Those he has ransomed. Raise your hand if you're ransomed. Come on. Come on, don't be ashamed. Raise your hand if you're ransomed. You ought to be excited the fact that you're not a drunk. I can say that because I used to be. Not last night. But many, many moons ago, God delivered me. I'm grateful that I'm not that. I'm not that. And the enemy wants to remind me of that. But I sing that new song. About the blood that ransomed me. And you have caused them to become a kingdom. Yes. Say kingdom. kingdom. Of priests for our God. And they will reign or they will govern. Yes. Say govern. govern. Man, you know, who, wants to, who likes to be in charge? I love being in charge. <laughs> I mean, it's serious. Well, God says, here's your opportunity. The world, like what Elle said, man, just your, your section of the wall, govern it. Govern it. And if the person next to you is not governing, give them a nudge and govern them. No, I'm just, just playing. Just, just kidding. Uh, but you might. Uh, so there's a new song. So prayer, you know, he starts out with, uh, with identity, Right? And then worship is intertwined. They sing a new song. And then authority right here. They will reign on the earth. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord. I love this verse. This is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all. The most important place on earth. Steve Spurrier Field at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, Florida Field, or whatever number 2,800 name. Listen, when I was at school here, it was just Florida Field. Because we hadn't won anything. 
We had artificial turf out there. We didn't even have the, the, the north end zone. It was, it was a long time ago. <laughs> Back when we had to register for class with bubble sheets. He's like, what the heck is he talking about? Uh, so the, the most important place on earth, do we treat the house of God like it's the most important place on earth? Do we come to the house of the Lord like it's the most important? I didn't make up that scripture. It's in the word. The most important place on earth, it will be raised above the other hills and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. To worship who? Jesus. The most important place on earth. This is Mount Everest. This mountain fascinates me. So I did a, a few, a couple of years ago, I did a whole study on what it takes to climb Mount Everest. You know, I've run marathons. That I'm not doing. <laughs> Mount Everest, 29,035 feet. Tallest mountain on the face of the earth. The mountain of the Lord's house is even higher than that. But this mountain right here, it's not like, uh, hey, Pastor Ron, you, you want to go climb Mount Everest this weekend? Let's, let's just do it. First of all, it takes a whole year of preparation, of getting in shape. And, uh, and I don't want to stay too long here, but it takes about a year of preparation, and it takes six to eight weeks from the time you start to the time you summit. Two months, almost two, two months to get to the top. We think we can just bebop up to the mountain of the house of the Lord and come with, with like flippantly. Right. These people have prepared for a year. And some of the, the, the Sherpas, that are the, mountain, the guides that take them, will not take you if you haven't done seven other big time mountain climbs that are over 15,000 feet. Base camp is 17,500 feet. Base camp. That's like the easy stuff. They spend, some people will spend close to $100,000 just to get to the top. The effort, the money, the time, just to, climb, to say, I climbed Mount Everest. Now listen, I, I'm sure it's awesome. Andre and I watched this, like this documentary of, uh, of, of people that climbed it. There are m many people that never made it and are still frozen on that mountain. They're landmarks now. Serious, they're, they're landmarks. Because you're not gonna take this dead body down the mountain because it, it would probably cost the life of you and the guides and everybody else. So you leave it there. Still in their clothes and everything. Frozen. Some of the winds at the top, when you get to the summit, some of the winds can be 200 miles an hour. So there have been times where people have climbed and they were a quarter of a mile away from the top. But they, the, the guide said, no, we can't do it. It's dangerous. Because there's only a certain time in the year where they can climb. It's just May and June. That's, and, and, if, and if the weather is coming in, they get weather, you know, they, uh, if it's bad weather, they're not going to risk their lives just so that you can go to, to the top. You're, you're a, less than a quarter of a mile away. 
And they say, nope, we're not going. And you just spent all that money. When we go to the house of the Lord, we need to put that effort, that energy, all that. Everything is about the kingdom. Everything is about the kingdom. Let me move on. So we're going to get into this authority part real, not quick, but I, I want to sh- show you something here. Okay, come on, little buddy. Work with me. All right. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. He didn't say, seek first God. Because God is a, is an indiv- seeking God is an individual thing. I seek God. But he says, seek first the kingdom of God, because now it's a corporate thing. And as I have been reading the scriptures, I have realized how much more God talks about the corporate than he does the individual. Now, the enemy has tried to steal the identity of the church by making Christianity into an individualistic thing. And it's not. I'm telling you, Jesus is not coming back for you. Jesus is not coming back for you, he's coming back for his bride. He's not coming back for body parts and then going to assemble them in heaven. Now, where does this go? I know it goes somewhere. No, he's coming back for a bride that is spotless and perfect. That's what he's coming back for. I was telling Pastor Suzanne right before uh, the service, that we have this idea, and listen, let me just tell you, we're special, okay? We are special. I'm not trying to, but we think we're special, like really special. And God gave me a revelation of how special I really am a few years ago. So a few years ago, I had my gallbladder taken out. Now, while that gallbladder was in my body, functioning, it was really special to me. I mean, I didn't think about it much, but I was like hoping it's doing its thing. The moment it started not to do its thing and became very painful and eventually had to be taken out, that gallbladder was no longer special to me. It's not like I asked the doc, Doc, what did you do with the gallbladder? I would love to have that and frame it, put it on the mantle. I didn't care what they did with it. But once it wasn't attached to my body, it's garbage. It's not special. So this corporate thing here, if all, you know, the body of Christ is not about church attendance. It's about every part. Pastor Ron talked about it. And Pastor Tad shared about it yesterday at prayer. Every part doing its share for the comfort of the body. Oh, I'm sorry. There's that word. For the growth of the body. We have, if you just come to church and you're taking up a seat and you want someone to park you, you want someone to serve your coffee for you, you want the air conditioning to be just right, you're taking up space like that gallbladder that's just that. Let, let's get rid of you. Or let's get you saved. But don't think that because you come here, you become one of us. Hey, one of us. <laughs> one of us. Uh, you know what I mean? So if you want to be special, you got to do your part. 
You got to do your part. And there is a part. God created you, remember? Gave you identity, created you he, for a purpose. Then he called the 12 disciples together. He didn't have individual meetings. You ever have those meetings with bosses, individual meetings? He called the, them together, gave them corporate power and authority over all demons. Not some, not just the big guys, all of them. And to cure diseases, he sent them, corporate, them, not you, them, to preach, not God, to preach the kingdom of God. Again, corporate, because the kingdom involves people, it involves authority, and it involves a king. Yeah. And to heal the sick. Yeah. You know, the word says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. It didn't say to pray for any of those things. Sometimes we get this mentality that we have to pray and pray and pray. And there is an aspect of praying. But there is a corporate aspect where uh, Pastor Ron talked about it a few weeks ago, God's presence. God, Emmanuel, God with us. So there is a, an individual where God is with you. He's with, he's with me. When I go running, he's with me. And I am not the manatee Pastor Ron was talking about because I, I asked him. I asked him. Hey, yo, is that me or what? Man, manatee? I thought I had good running form, but, you know, I don't know. Uh, as long as it gets me from point A to point B, I'm good. Uh, again, I say to you that if two of you, not just one of you, two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will, not maybe, not if I'm in a good mood, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, again, corporate, I am there in the midst of them. So there is a difference between God's presence as an individual and the manifest presence of God corporately where God begins to do things that he won't do as a, to an individual and through an individual. There is a manifest presence of God where people start getting delivered. Demons start fleeing. People are getting healed of diseases. Listen, there is not a single disease on the face of the planet that God can't touch. We think certain ones, oh, that's off limits. God's like, I'm really trying on this one. This one's, this one's a tough one. It's not tough. But the enemy wants to bully us thinking it is. It's like, wait, you, you obviously don't understand where two of us agree on, in, on anything. You know, God's not really going to heal Pastor George. You know why? Because Pastor George is already healed. You can't ask God to do something he's already done. By his stripes, he was healed. Now will be healed. It's not a future thing. It's done. Call those things that are not as though they were. Or they are. Either way, you understand, right? Yeah. Awesome. All right. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, unseen, unseen, key word, unseen, against mighty powers, mighty. Don't, you know, again, there's, we do, we do have a fight against a worthy opponent. He is mighty, but we're mightier. 
There is a rea- listen, there is a reality that we live in. There is a reality that there is a diagnosis that came and said, Pastor George, you have cancer. There is that reality. But there is a greater reality that we live by that says, but you're healed. That's the, li- the reality I live by. The greater reality. The unseen. And evil spirits. And you know, we don't want to glorify them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Govern it. Folks, when there is a mountain standing in front of you, nowhere in scripture does it say pray for that mountain to be removed. It says speak to the mountain. Speak to the mountain. Jesus didn't pray for Lazarus to be raised from the dead. He spoke, get up! He spoke to that mulberry tree. He spoke to the fig tree. We have to discern the wind of the Spirit of God. And there is a wind, there is a shifting of wind that the, 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 the Bible says, and Jesus said this, that those who are of the Spirit are like the wind. And the wind shifts. How many of you have been on a sailboat before? I have never been on a sailboat. I know what they look like. Mine, I'd rather have an engine or motor, whatever. But you can have the most, and listen, sailboats are beautiful. They really are. To me, they're like a work of art. And they're, but if that sail, if those sails aren't catching the wind, as beautiful as that sailboat is, it ain't moving. It's stuck. Looks good, but it's not moving because it didn't learn how to, it didn't discern the shifting of the wind. And listen, there have been some powerful moves of God in the past that God did some great and unusual things through them, but they didn't learn how to shift with the wind. And today they're still trying to do the same thing they did. That was at one point real powerful, but the spirit of God shifted. They didn't shift with it. Now they're just a dead movement. Don't think that that can't happen to us. We are like, we, the people of the Spirit are like the wind. We have to discern those seasons. We have to discern that wind when it's shifting and be able to move. We have to know when it's new wine and it's old wine. We have, listen, the, 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 us moving into the new building, it's not just us moving into a new building. It's a prophetic picture of a new wineskin that's going to be filled with new wine. You don't, you think that God's caught off guard by everything that's happening at the same time? It's like the perfect storm that Jesus is just going to walk right through, totally at peace, and we get to walk on the water with him. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. It's so encouraging. It's, 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 it takes me to a place that by myself I can't go. And I thank you for the body of Christ. I thank you that I am not this gallbladder just laying somewhere, but I am attached. I am attached to everybody here and we're doing our part. And God, you're so proud of us. Can I tell you something? God is so proud of you 
So, some of you are thinking right now, I'm telling you right now, you're thinking, that's not me. Yes, it is. Some of you look back at your past and what your dad did. Stop. You can't change that. You can forgive, move on. But God loves you and God has desires so many great things for you. He really, really, really does. And some of you are holding on to things, some hurts. Listen, God wants to use that pain that's in you to heal others. Where is Miss, is Miss Chris here? I, I, I had a word for Miss Chris. I just, I, I want to share it. She's not here. And it's, it's a good word. It's not a... God is, is so in love with Miss Chris, so proud of her that in the midst of everything she's gone through in her life, she sticks it out. She still walks. That is someone you can follow. That is someone you, Miss Chris, teach me about the kingdom. Because she obviously has been through wars and walks with a limp. I mean, not necessarily, but she's been, she walks with a spiritual limp. And those are the people you want to get behind that have fought the battle and won. Like Jacob. You know, he wrestled with God, but he prevailed. That's pretty amazing. Can we wrestle with God and prevail? God, thank you. Listen, there, there are some of you here that don't know this Jesus that, that I talked about, the song talked about, the, the kingdom that, and, and, and God wants you to be a part of this family. This is not about going to heaven. This is about fulfilling your purpose here on the earth. Don't let pride, don't let your past, don't let what you've done even last night rob you of what God wants to do right now, this moment in time. I just want to give an invitation for any of you, any of you who have never, ever, ever said, Jesus, you know what? I don't know what that guy is saying up there, but I know it's good. Something is resonating in my spirit. There, there is a frequency of, man, there is a frequency of the spirit that when you hear something that's right, man, it hits you right there. There is a frequency in the spirit realm. And I'm just here to tell you, listen, if, if you have never, ever, ever, ever made Jesus Lord of your life, or, or even just said, God, just please forgive me. I, I, I am a, I'm a mess. Listen, you are not alone. We are all glorified dust right here, except that the Spirit of God breathed into us. But without, without Jesus, we're nothing. So we're, we're just, you know, we're good. We're all together. So I'm just going to ask you in a moment to raise your hand. If you just want to know this Jesus, it's a step. It's just a step. It's all it is. It's a baby step, but it's a step in the right direction. And then we're just going to pray and ask that God right there where you're sitting would just touch your heart. Because God does want to do something great in you and through you. Father, in Jesus' name, I right now, I just 
thank you. Believers, you guys are praying. There was a time where someone was praying for me and I raised my hand. So I, if, if God can save me, he can save anybody, anybody. If, if that's you and you have never made Jesus your savior, the process of him becoming Lord, that, that'll be with time. That'll happen. But, but right now, you just need him to be your savior. You just need him to cleanse you from all the junk that's in your life. And you know, he does it just like this. It's not like it's a process of time. He, the moment you say, Lord, I, I want to know you, bam, instant freedom. The guilt is taken away. So if that's you, I'm just going to, for a few moments, if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. Right now, if you just raise your hand, I'll acknowledge this. Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. Don't let the enemy rob you of what is rightfully, what Jesus did for you. All right, let's, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for that one person, Lord. The guts it takes to say, yes, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I need you. It takes guts to say that and to raise your hand in front of everybody. God, thank you for that person right there, Lord, that has now become instantly a part of this family, part of the family of God. And Lord, it's, it's your job to do the rest. It's our job to make the decision. So Father, I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Guys, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. And Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.